You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Five Things to Watch. Five things to watch here on KC Sports Network, getting you ready for a sixth straight Kansas City Chiefs AFC Championship game. It is a lot of fun to be continuing to do this here. Uh, we're going to hear from a variety of different voices here on KCSN, giving you something to watch for this game. I am here in person with my friends Matthew Lane and Craig Stouts. Matthew, it is just, it's a joy to be with you right now. I'm very excited. This is a fun show to do, you know, every year. We're on the road here. The Chiefs are always playing the AFC Championship game. Now, you know, it's something. It's become like an experience. Every single year, this is the way it keeps going. So it's a lot of fun. I'm excited to talk about it, Greg. Yes. I'm also excited to get to watch the game with you guys, to get to be talking about the game in person with all of these other NFL teams that are no longer playing football anymore. Man, yikes. Every single year, it's really nice to be in this position. What's that like? Brent Coleman's off, off camera upset. Yeah, at his Texans not being in the game, still trying to avenge his team uh, as the Chiefs are going to be playing the Ravens. And we're going to kick it off with this. You know, the Chiefs have started to find some things in the explosive passing game. They started to make some big plays. They started to kind of do some of the things that we're accustomed to seeing this team do. I think this is, I think one of the big keys for this game is them continuing to find some of these big plays down the field, some of these bigger, you know, opportunities in the pass game, preferably one that ends in a touchdown, honestly. Well, so it started in the wild card round. They just missed a couple deep shots to McCall Hardman, but they hit some crossing routes to Rasheed Rice that he took for big explosive plays. Then it carried over to the Bills game. Now they started to not only get catch and runs, but they're starting to throw these deeper passes downfield to MBS, to Travis Kelsey, painting the corners of the field against the Buffalo Bills. And so this explosive aspect of this Chiefs offense in total, but also the passing game has really come up big in the playoffs. That's something that we as fans have been calling for all year long was Where's this at? How do we make it better? The fact that it's starting to show up just now, just in time for a Ravens team that's good at preventing explosive plays, but you have to present that as a challenge for them or they are going to tee off on your quarterback. So the Chiefs offense might be rounding into form in terms of finding these explosives at the right time. Yeah, we've been talking about it for weeks now. You know, it it can't just be a yak sort of explosive play. The Chiefs are really good at, you know, pulling those things up. Rasheed Rice is really good on him. Isaiah Pacheco is really good at maximizing his yards after the catch. But it's not a situation that the Chiefs are getting vertical often. And yeah, they threw a couple of McCall Hardman there in week seven or week 18. But it really didn't hit until, of course, MBS yeah. making some obvious monster catches there in the uh, divisional round. So it's got to be more of that. They've got to they got to connect on some of them. It's not just about throwing them anymore. It's about making sure that they are connecting with them because they're going to need every single one of those against this Ravens defense. And I think we talked about it in the last month or so about MVS specifically. Like you look at his snap count and you look at his usage and we kind of all said, well, he's probably still got to continue to play. He's yeah. kind of got to be one of those guys on the field. He's just he does a lot to help set this offense up as far as, you know, just helping guys get aligned even from time to time. And he's a guy that does, you know, can execute in, in, in the vertical stretch game. And we said, you know, he's probably got to come up with one or two big ones for this team to advance and continue to advance in the playoffs. And guess what? He did. He did. You know, he he, he was able to come down with a couple years. So, you know, I, I like him, you know, trying to get down the field and get an opportunity here. You know, I, I know McCole Hardman's, the McCole Hardman experience has been really rough to this point, but I think you can kind of point to the same argument I just made 
with MVS as well. You know, it's been tough sledding for McColl in a lot of different ways since he came back to the Chiefs. But at the same time, you know, we've seen what he's capable of doing against the Miami Dolphins getting behind him. And we know what he can do with some of his speed. And I know he had some pretty crucial mistakes in this last game. But that just might that might might just mean it's time for him to go find one big play down the field. I could see this being a week, especially considering what we talked about with the Ravens, you know, at their secondary. It's not the fastest secondary on the planet, right? Geno Stone is running in the four sixes. You know, this is like I think they have you know Brandis is usually a pretty good athlete, but outside of that, there's really not a lot of long speed in the Ravens secondary. I could see Mo Cole Hardman get behind this this group because he is the fastest guy in the, on that Chiefs receiving court. But I think a big key, too, is not just chasing go routes or deep posts and stuff. And that's what I liked about this Chiefs offense versus the Bills is they they incorporated sail routes, quarters. They, were, they weren't attacking just in a straight line because, yes, MVS came up with some big plays, but Hardman, MVS, all these guys have really struggled just getting behind defenders and just running in a straight line, tracking the ball over their shoulder, asking or calling for the Chiefs just to hit explosives. That way, it, it seems like a losing effort because we've seen all year there's inconsistencies. But... Changing the alignment, getting in these condensed splits, getting these switch releases, having some guys run these deep overs again, and whether it's a, a Watson, a Rice, Kelsey, all these guys running routes that aren't just streaks, just aren't nine routes, I think has produced some more opportunities downfield, and I think that's what they have to continue to do is mix up the types of deep shots they're taking rather than just say, okay, try to go outrun them and see if we can connect on a vertical shot because the Chiefs receivers just haven't been good in those situations. Absolutely not. Yeah, try a deep over to try to try to connect on some of that stuff while you're layering some of that underneath. Travis Kelsey is going to get all the attention in the world in this game. Those linebackers and safeties are going to be dragged down into the box to try and prevent Travis Kelsey from really damaging this team. That can open up some of those things over the top. And while those are lower percentage throws, you got to make them. This is it's the AFC Championship game. You got to have those in your arsenal. You've got to connect on them. It really is the difference between maybe this being a game that the Chiefs not only can win, but can dictate the game script a little bit more to being a game where maybe the Ravens get to lean a little heavier on the run game. You know, and I I think this could be one of those payoff games is like, you know, we've talked about the slow build of this offense and finally starting to find an identity, starting to fine tune the personnel and all this stuff. But I think like you, to your point, they, they introduced some corners, you know, they showed some outbreaking routes you know down the field a little bit a little bit more than they have in recent memory they started hitting on those that's huge for this game I think that kind of shows you know what this team is starting to find starting to starting to be able to hit starting to find some success what are their build-offs to that you know do we do we get a, a post corner post right do we get a corner post you know do we get a few you know we haven't stuff? seen very many double moves no and I mean I don't know if they have a great group of personnel to be able to do it anyway but I do think that it's worth kind of paying attention to see how the Chiefs build off of what they've been able to do. Because you know Andy Reid is one of the best best at, in the NFL at layering logical progressions and logical builds on top of his offensive play calling. And that's how the Chiefs you know, should try to hunt for these explosive plays, try to back up the Baltimore Ravens defense as they head into this big AFC Championship game. Now let's over, head over to the barbershop as Sean Barber tells us about how the Chiefs have been battle-tested all year long and how that might come up big in this matchup. Hey, this is Sean Barber from The Process, where the process is always greater than what it produces. And my one thing to watch for the Kansas City Chiefs AFC Championship game versus, yep, the Baltimore Ravens is understanding the necessity for there to be some type of turmoil, some type of uh, grime, some type of grit. You got to have some prowess. You got to overcome something to believe that in the regular season, your team is able to grow throughout the season and be a better season come to playoffs. 
do I really believe that we are seeing the best version of the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs? My answer would be no. My answer would be they peaked somewhere around weeks 15 and 16. Let me run off a list of games if we go from week six. Against the Titans, they won by eight points. Lions, they won by 32. Arizona, they won by seven. Seahawks, 34-point win. Loss to the Browns, but then a win by 14 points to the Bengals. Ten points to the Chargers. Coming off of a bye week, six-point win against the Rams. Then wins of 16 points, 14 points, 37 points only to have a week 18 backup game versus the Pittsburgh Steelers and then a 24-point win in the playoffs against the Texans. So what do I mean when I say there is a lack of perseverance, a lack of um, having to go through any kind of heartache, having to persevere and come back from anything? These games have been so far, so, so much out of control that I don't know how many games I've seen the Baltimore Ravens truly play four quarters of championship football to earn a victory. And I think that is the same thing that comes back to haunt this team. Because if they're tied at half, if they're down by a little bit, what do we know about the Kansas City Chiefs? They've come back from 24 points before in the playoffs versus the Texans. They've come back from 10 points versus the Titans. Multiple times during this season have they been down and coming back. Um, only to have in the first round of the playoffs being down seven points, um, not only to the Miami Dolphins, but also to the Buffalo Bills, still having that grit, that tenacity, that trust in the way they communicate with one another to know there's always the opportunity for this team to continuously come back, scratch, claw, just fighting for that um, that AFC berth in the, in the championship game in the Super Bowl. So if there's one thing that I want everyone to watch, do the Baltimore Ravens have the resolve? Do they have the grit? Do they have that intestinal fortitude to be able to come back and play four quarters of championship football? I doubt it. We'll see on Sunday. But hey, man, this is your boy, Sean Barber, with The Process, where The Process is always greater than what it produced, and that is my thing to watch. And that was Sean Barber talking about how the Chiefs have been battle-tested all season long. And now we're going to head over to BJ Kissel to talk about winning the turnover battle and how that might be important in this game. What's going on? Yeah, my thing to watch in this game, very similar to last week, although I had said during the five things that if the Chiefs turned the ball over more than the Buffalo Bills, they won't win that game. And they did. McCole Hardman's fumble was the turnover, although the Chiefs did get the turnover on downs on the fake punt. So I'm going to take it and call it a wash. But going into this game against the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, MVP candidate, for, should probably win the MVP, was the best player in the AFC from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. But you need to make that guy in the playoffs where his numbers aren't quite what we saw this regular season. You need to make that dude go the length of the field to put points on this Chiefs defense, which along with the Ravens was one of the best defenses in the NFL. Patrick Holmes, the Chiefs offense, they know this. They haven't made a lot of those uh, 50-50 balls, you're not going to see a lot of that from Patrick Mahomes because they're playing smart, complimentary football when you have a defense like the Chiefs have right now. Don't force anything that's going to potentially give the Ravens an easy chance to score. On the flip side, Chiefs defense, take the ball away from Lamar Jackson. He's going to run it. Go for the strip sack. Go to take it away. Give your offense some short fields. Is This is going to be a close game. It is going to be a game of which team blinks first, similar to what we saw in the fourth quarter against the Buffalo Bills. That's kind of what I expect going into this game. Two 
pretty evenly matched teams, two great defenses, two offenses that can get it done in a lot of different ways. So excited to see how it plays out. But again, this game is going to be about turnovers, third down conversion, and getting touchdowns inside the red zone and not uh, field goals. But like the chance, Chiefs' chances that they win the turnover battle again and then go to repeat as Super Bowl champions. Thanks, BJ. And now we're going to go through a quick break before we get back to the rest of our five things to watch. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. Now it is time to head over to Outside the Trenches where the boys are going to talk about the big uglies and who's going to win that matchup up front. All right, Big B, let's get into the trenches here on this matchup. Uh, looking at when the Chiefs have the ball, there's obviously a big hole, a big glaring hole that the Chiefs will probably have when it comes to Sunday's game against the Baltimore Ravens. That's Joe Tooney. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't just start by talking about Joe Tooney when we're talking about the trenches and when the Chiefs have the football that's going to be a big hole for him. A peck injury, it's, it's a tough one for an offensive lineman. Um, what are your thoughts on Joe Tooney possibly missing this game and, and it, maybe more with a, with a peck injury? It's a, it's a really tough injury for an offensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Um, if he's out, which it sounds like he's going to be out, uh, it, it's a gaping hole for the Chiefs. Now, can they fill it, fill it in admirably? Yeah, but it's not going to be an all-pro. You know, so yeah. that's where the difference comes in. And I just think, you know, missing him, the, the Chiefs' opportunity, or one of their opportunities, I shouldn't say the only one, but one of their opportunities to win this football game is to be able to run the football, which is already going to be tough enough against the Ravens trying to run the football against the defense that literally just doesn't give up many rushing yards. Now you're trying to do that without an all-pro uh, at the guard position. I mean, it just makes the task that much more daunting, Tucker. 
it'll be it'll be tough. Uh, Nick Allegretti came in in that Buffalo game, played 13 snaps, played really well in the 13 snaps, and he did play. But again, it was only 13 snaps. Um, and the Bills don't really have an interior rusher uh, like Justin Matabuke. And he is probably the Bills' best pass rusher right now, and he's going to be coming from that three-tech spot, which they're probably going to line him in that three-tech spot over Nick Allegretti. Yeah. Just because that's, that's how this works. Uh, he's going to find that matchup, and he's going to find the mismatch. He's going to go out of Trey Smith. A bit better. It's not. It's not unfair for me to say Trey Smith is better than Nick Allegretti, obviously, because he's starting over. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting on that interior side because the Chiefs' interior offensive line has been the strength of this offensive line all year. Outside of a couple down games from Trey Smith and maybe one down game from Joe Tooney, that's been the strength of their offensive line is that interior tackles play. I thought played a lot better against the Buffalo Bills. Might have to do with a little bit of Patrick Mahomes uh, in in his ability to. Make the, elevate his offensive linemen a little bit, but I think the the offensive line going into this game outside of Tooney are, are rolling. They're in a good spot in terms of uh, communication, protection, everything like that. I even think the running backs have done a good job in, in, in pickups and everything like that, but they're going to have their hands full uh, with guys like Metabuke, as I mentioned. Jadavion Cloud, he's been playing really well. He's had a little bit of a resurgence and even, you know, cheat a little bit, go up to the linebackers of, of the, uh, the Baltimore games because they've got some studs Rokon Smith uh Pat Queen Kyle Van Noy like they've got some studs that are going to be rushing the pass yeah and that's going to be the difference is how they pick those guys up I I think in pass protection especially because the one thing is that Baltimore does that doesn't get talked about a lot is they blitz their linebackers they do a lot of a gap blitzing in the linebacker position so or from the linebacker position so the way if they can pick it up um and the Chiefs don't get confused up front, it's going to give them a lot better opportunity uh, to be able to win this football game. Again, running the football, picking up the blitz. I know we could say that every single week, but it becomes even more of a focus this week just because of how good the defensive front seven, especially the the line of the Ravens is. Well, speaking about the picking up the blitz and running the football, Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball because that's a lot of the things that the Baltimore Ravens are going to have to do yeah. in this game as well. And maybe you and I had a conversation on outside the trenches this week about just the Ravens and how they're made up on offense. Not to say that they have a bad offensive line, but that is the the I should say in air quotes their weak link because they have just yeah. so much talent everywhere else. Uh, what are your thoughts about this uh, Ravens offensive line heading into this matchup? It's okay, you know, it's definitely adequate. I'm not going to say that it's bad. Uh, below par or anything like that, but it's definitely, it's not upper echelon. Let's right. just say that. Uh, so if there's places that can be had, it is the offensive line. Look, we saw it against the Texans. Mm-hmm. The first half of that football game, they got pushed around. They got fooled. They basically got embarrassed out there on the field. It was because the Texans just decided they were going to blitz on basically every play. They were confusing them. And if we know one thing, Steve Spagnola, he is going to bring pressure when the pressure when when he feels like bringing pressure. Yeah. Which again, I think they're going to do it all game to Lamar Jackson. Uh, but the mainly they're going to do it up the middle, and I think that's where Baltimore can be had. Chris Jones is going to try to find a match that he can win on, just like we talked about Justin Matabuke. It's going to be the same thing with Chris Jones. Well, they've got they've got I think they got a really good center in Tyler Linderbaum. I think Linderbaum's yes. a good a good football player. I think he's one of the best centers left, obviously outside of. Uh, Frank over there in, in Detroit, like they've got a really good offensive line. Hopefully, we're having a conversation yeah. about that offensive line in a couple of weeks, Big B. Uh, but I mean, they got Ronnie Stanley over there, a guy they chose to pay over 
uh, Orlando Brown, who has now been to two teams, and since Raleigh Stanley has signed a contract to be their uh, their left tackle, a uh, kind of staple over there. I think that they that, that the Chiefs can really find some matchups where they can win. Their personnel is going to be a little interesting uh, across that uh, defensive line because they won't they'll be without Derek Nadi. They'll have to play probably a whole lot more of Mike Pinnell, who is a traditional run stuffing defensive tackle, one tech. And then they're going to probably mix in a whole lot of uh, Malik Herring. I think I saw him a lot of when the game was on the line So mm-hmm. uh, against the Buffalo Bills. So they're going to get bigger bodies in there. They're going to try to stop the run. Um, I don't think it big B. I think that's a common misconception is if you say you're going to stop the running. I don't think the other part of it is keep Lamar in the pocket. I don't think those are going to go hand in hand mm-hmm. for the Chiefs. We talked about that on Outside the Trenches. They're going to get after him. And I think that the Chiefs are going to pick their spots and they're going to use the linebackers smart. They're going to use Chris Jones smart. And uh, I think George Goff has been playing really well this postseason. He's just got that high motor and he can clean stuff up. Um, and Charles Menehue, another guy, didn't necessarily still show up a whole lot on the stat sheet against the Buffalo Bills, but I thought he played really well setting other guys up for some uh, successful plays. Yeah, that's going to be the, the key is how can they get after, or first of all, stopping the run. Yeah. That's the number one thing. You got to stop the run against Baltimore. If you don't stop that, you're losing the football game, just period, point blank. Second thing is, is how can you get after them? And just like you mentioned, uh, we talked about it on Outside the Trenches. It's not keeping Lamar Jackson in the pocket because if you just do that and just say you're not good, he'll just sit back there. Yeah. He'll just sit back there and survey the field and he'll move around enough to where guys are going to get open. DBs can't cover guys forever. So, I, like we mentioned, I think it's pressure up the middle, in his face, and then make him make a play off of that. If you can force him to make turnovers and throw the ball on the run, that's kind of the thing where he struggles at doing the most. But if you just say, okay, we're going to just keep him inside the pocket, number one, it tempers your pass rush down Mm -hmm. because guys are so concerned about staying in pass rush lanes that they're not actually getting after the quarterback. And we just mentioned Baltimore's line is not horrible. Right. So if you do that, they'll block you. So and he'll just sit around and move around and make plays. So I think number one, getting after him up front in the middle, stopping the run, but two, bringing pressure directly in his face. All right, here first. That's Big B. I'm Tucker Franklin. We're the fellas from outside the trenches. Down a man this week, but not going to stop us. As let's go ahead and send it back for more five things. Thank you, Tucker. And now for our final thing here to watch in this Chiefs-Ravens matchup, let's go over to the only weird games, guys, and we're going to talk about containing Lamar Jackson and how the Chiefs might do that. We got all three of us from Only Weird Games here to give you our thing that matters going into Chiefs and Ravens. Another AFC Championship game for the Chiefs, fellas, but the quarterback that the Ravens have on their side is going to be the MVP of the league, and uh, he is going to be a worthy opponent for this Chiefs defense. So, Nate, let me ask you a question that should be pretty easy. How does a defense slow down Lamar Jackson? Well, I would just like to remind the audience of the second half possessions of the Baltimore Ravens against the Houston Texans in the division round. Um, it was touchdown, 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 field goal. Um, that'll do. Yeah, that... they didn't. They didn't. They didn't need the field goal at that. No, 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 no. Honestly, they need the other touchdown. It was just uh, so good. It was um, just mean spirited. Yeah, it's like guys. Um, so look, Davis Winston get on the Raven. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the the best part of this game is like you know the Ravens have a pretty good offensive line. Obviously, Lamar's elusive. Um, the question becomes like. 
where does Chris Jones line up? Is he going to try to win from three-tack? Is he going to try to go from the defensive tackle to defensive end? Uh, we know Steve Spagnuolo will blitz. You know, the Texans had some success of that in the first half, getting three sacks on Lamar Jackson. I just think the the, the funny thing for me is, can they collapse the pocket the same way they did to Josh Allen in the second half of the Chiefs victory last week? And uh, as we alluded to on Times Arfs, there is a monetary the name of the show. Has it been for all the days? Dang it. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was. So, I'm sorry, beloved DraftKings, KCSN. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do it to die again. Um, you made it through the whole season. I really did. Um, but yeah, can Chris Jones and the defensive line collapse the pocket to where, um, you know, does Lamar feel more pressure than he did in the second half of the AFC divisional round where they went touchdown, 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 field goal? That that's where I would start. Uh, I don't know. How do, how do you feel, Seth, about maybe some of the matchups and just um, trying to, you know, the, their job is to make the MVP not look like an MVP on Sunday. Absolutely. That's a tough thing to do and the type of issues that we tackle here on almost entirely sports. And <laughs> <laughs> um, here, here's the thing with Jackson. You're, you, you hear a bunch of cliches about him. Like people will just say, well, you know, keep him in the pocket and force him to throw. I mean, that would make sense if he wasn't really good at throwing, and, which he is, and his weapons are better than they used to be, and they've got a good offense designed around him. So otherwise, because if it were that simple, literally everyone would do that. Um, what you do need with him, similar to Allen, is a really disciplined pass rush plan. Um, that's one thing where I think their experience with Allen last week will be coming kind of handy for them. Mm. We, we've all seen the clip. We talked about it um, in the, the Only Weird Games podcast. Joe Cullen getting on them about, you know, you, you've got to maintain discipline. you got to make sure there's nowhere there for him to escape. Um, one difference, I think, with Allen and Jackson is that Jackson is he's even more elusive. Yeah. He's not as much of a, you know, shaking guys off. He will, he'll, he'll take off a little bit quicker. And he should. I mean, he's just, he's unbelievable at that. Um, and so you do need to get that pressure home a little bit quicker because Allen will kind of hang in there until the absolute last second. Whereas with Lamar, you're a little more likely for him to take off a little bit and not necessarily run, but start to create, right? And so I think the big thing, similar with Allen and similar with Tua, and really the name of the game, in my opinion, in today's NFL is not going to be the pass rush. It's going to be what the secondary showing him pre and post snap. Can you force him to, what they said about Tua, pat the ball? Now, Jackson is a much, much, much better second and third read guy than Tua. He just is. Mm-hmm. Way, way more gifted at it. Goes through them faster, processes them better. I'm not trying to knock Tua. Jackson's just really good at it. But can you make him see something different than what he expected? And then we talked about that at length on the Tua pick. Yeah, someone came open eventually against Man, but it took Tua so long to get to the read because he was so surprised that what he saw pre-snap and what he saw post-snap didn't match up, that it caused him to to wait, pressure got home, forced a bad throw. With Jackson, similar to Allen and other creative quarterbacks, you can maybe get them off schedule, get them starting to go into creative mode when they didn't need to. And when you start to go in creative mode with that pocket collapsing around you, that's how you end up with sacks. Um, the Chiefs don't have like a Will Anderson to come screaming around the edge. They're going to need to show him something pre-snap that's different than post-snap. I think that's where the game's won or lost. 
We'll find out if it is won or lost that way, and we'll certainly talk about it on Monday's edition of whatever our show is called. Back to you. Thank you, Josh. That's how the Chiefs can contain Lamar Jackson wins. That's our five things. That's five things to watch in this Chiefs-Ravens matchup for the sixth consecutive AFC Championship game for our beloved Kansas City Chiefs. We appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. Make sure you check out the 810 pregame show on the Sunday before the game. And during the game, you can go over to the KCSN YouTube page. We are going to be having a watch party live during the game. You can hang out, watch with us as we watch, talk a little bit about the game. And then as soon as it is over, we are starting up the KCSN postgame show like we do every week. Make sure you're there and checking us out. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.